Welcome to the North Shore Church audio podcast. To find out more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hope you guys are doing good. It's a good day. God is good. Um, every, every year, over the past several years, the Parks and Rec Department has put on a daddy-daughter date night. It's a daddy-daughter date night where, where you come and you eat together, you play bingo and you dance with your little girl. It's a blast. Has anybody ever been to that? Let me see, uh, dads, let me see your hands, a, a few of you in here. Man, if you've never been and you have a little girl, I would recommend it. It's so much fun to dress up and to see her all dressed up and have mom fix her hair because you shouldn't be touching your little girl's hair. Um, and just come together and just have a, a good time. It works best if your daughter doesn't know anybody else there at the dance because if she does, she'll end up leaving you and go and dance with her friends and you'll be left standing there against the wall having junior high dance flashbacks, okay? So that's just a warning for you. Um, But I remember the first time I took Phoebe to this daddy-daughter date night and as silly as it is, I was nervous for it. Um, I wasn't nervous to like impress my little girl because I've already fully impressed her, but uh, I, I was kind of just anxious about it. I was having some real anxiety. Um, I, I wasn't overly concerned with looking cool. I just didn't want to look stupid, right? I didn't want to go in there and make a fool of myself and all the other dads as they're walking out and say, did you see that Chris guy? I mean, that was hilarious. I've never seen anything so funny in my life. I, I just didn't want to make a fool of myself. I didn't want to look stupid. And so, you know, I just, I remember the anxiety that I had through the night. I mean, we're there, we're going in, you're kind of scoping out the place. Who do I know? Who do I know like as a friend? Who do I recognize? And and then you're sitting there, we got our um, spaghetti, right? Perfect meal when your daughters are all dressed up and they're a little, hey, let's give them spaghetti. But anyways, um, so we got spaghetti, we got our cookies with all the frosting getting everywhere, we played bingo, and, and then they started the dance, and, and they started the dance, they had the DJ there, they started the dance with a slow song, and um, you know, I, I thought, oh, that's a good way to start, we get up there, because and, and, nobody looks silly slow dancing with their little girl, Right? So everybody goes up there, and they start slow dancing, and, you know, slow dance with your little girl is just spinning in circles kind of thing. I know some of you are super offended that I'm dancing in church on stage, but, you know, we'll talk about that later. Um, uh, so, so you're just going in a circle, and, you know, about 45 seconds of slow dancing with your little girl is enough because it just turns into ring around the rosy, essentially. You're like, man, we just ate. I'm getting sick here. Um, but that was okay because it sort, of, it sort of gets you out there. And then after that first slow dance, they, they speed it up a little bit. And so he turns on Taylor Swift, right? Hater's going to hate, 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 and shaker's going to shake. And, um, and I'm looking around, not fully sure what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know if I'm supposed to be like, shaking or standing and so I'm a little nervous and I'm eyeballing all the other dads and all the other first-time dads are there too like looking at me like do we shake or do we stand you know we don't know because there's this there's this a, a little bit of anxiety we don't fully know how comfortable you know we are after that then comes let it go frozen anybody come on Elsa right and um when when the let it go song starts all the little girls start screaming oh you know, and every dad who has a little girl has literally heard that song a billion times. That's not an exaggeration. 
That's the truth. A billion times. And so, so the song starts playing, and every little girl knows every word to that song. And they're just singing it. Honestly, I know every word to that song, but I don't want any of the other dads to know that, right? So I'm just kind of pretending like, I've never heard this song before in my life. What is this? You know? But at this stage, as I'm looking around at all the other dads, I see that they're just as anxious and uncomfortable as I am. And so that made me relax a little bit. So I just thought, man, I'm going to go for it. I'm just going gonna, gonna to forget about them. I'm just going to have a good time with Phoebe, and I'm going to sing, and, and, and we're going to dance together. And so I started singing to Frozen and doing the actions, just like they do on the movie, right? It's funny how some distance, you're marching with her, and you're doing all the actions. And, and we just started going for it and just began to relax a little bit. So we get through the chicken dance, the Macarena, all the good ones. You see, all the dads just collectively begin to take this big sigh of relief. Everybody's sort of relaxed. And then the DJ throws it down, right? He plays God Bless the USA. <laughs> Super weird song to play at a dance. <laughs> Super weird, you know? I mean, have you ever heard that song played at a dance before? Okay, I have, you know? And it was funny to see because by this time, all the dads have fully relaxed. And, you know, they get their daughters out there and we're dancing to God Bless the USA. And all the girls are kind of like, man, I've never heard this song. This is super lame to be dancing to. But all the dads are acting like, and they didn't say this, but all the dads are like, man, this is my jam. This is awesome, you know. Because everybody knows that song. And as I looked around, as I'm dancing, you know, to God Bless the USA, I, I, I'm looking around at all the other dads, and I didn't see one dad not singing. And they weren't just mouthing the words. I mean, they were, they were belting it out. I mean, they had fully relaxed. From Detroit down to Houston, you know, they were just getting after it. It was awesome. It was awesome. And throughout the night, you could see sort of this transition from, like, anxiety, how are we supposed to act, what are we supposed to do, to being fully relaxed, fully engaged with our daughters, having a good time, you know. And I don't know what all the other dads did when they went home, but when we went home, we had to find the chicken dance on the computer, and we had the chicken dance, like, 20 more times. We had a great time. You know, life would be so much more enjoyable, and you... And I, in whatever capacity we're in, would be far more effective if we would learn to just relax. Amen? We just learn to relax. As a father taking his little girl out on a date, we just need to relax and not worry about what anybody else is thinking about it. As parents, when our kid's room is a mess, we just need to relax sometimes. Yes? We need to relax. As a coach, some of you need to relax. Like, it's not the end of, a wor end of the world because he forgot to set a pick in basketball. He's just in fourth grade, right? We need to relax a little bit. As a boss or employee, sometimes we just need to relax. Not everything is, is that big of a deal. As a neighbor, sometimes we just need to relax. As a spouse, sometimes you just need to relax. Just relax a little bit. Not everything he does wrong is because he loves his mama more than he loves you, right? Just relax, relax. As Americans in a very tense political landscape, some of us need to just relax, amen? We just need to relax. Look, President Trump is not Satan, okay? But listen, he's not a savior either, right? 
He's just a man. He's in a leadership position, and God can use whoever he wants to use. He can use good people. He can use evil people. He's God. He's in control, right? My level of anxiety is not going to determine God's hand. He's God. Let him be God. As students, some high school, college-age students in here, I know how stressful that was. You guys just need to relax. Enjoy. Real life hasn't started for you yet. It just hasn't, you know. Life is going to eventually crush all of your hopes and dreams. It'll come. (laughs) But it hasn't started yet. So just relax. right, chill out a little bit. As Christians, believers, disciples, followers of Christ, those of us who do our best to obey, to apply, to live the word of God, some of us need to just relax. As believers, oftentimes we take ourselves way too serious. Amen? In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says something about worry and anxiety that many of us have heard, but really very few of us apply. We, we know the answer, and Paul reveals the answer, but we refuse to work it out. Last week, we shared a message that answers are easy to come by, but solutions are difficult to work out. And so in this, Paul reveals the answer, but very few of us refuse to apply the solution. And I believe that if we did, if we began to apply this solution, if we went through the work of applying the word of God in this instance to our life, it would change everything. It would change how we thought. It would change how we acted. It would change how we spoke. It would change how we behaved. It would change how we sleep at night. It would change everything about us. But before we get to what Paul says about anxiety and stress, I want to first consider Paul's personal experience with stress. And so before, before we, we listen to what Paul says about it, we got to see if he is somebody who knows what he's talking about. And so we got to check and see how stressful his life is. If you don't know who Paul is, I know many of you do, but if you don't, Paul is an apostle in the New Testament, and Paul was responsible for writing much of the New Testament. And so if you don't, haven't read any of his background or any of the Bible, you would think, you know, Paul's uh, you know, kind of an intellectual guy. He sits at his desk, he reads, he prays all day, and then he just writes scripture. But that wasn't Paul at all. And if we look at Paul that way, then everything he says sort of falls on deaf ears. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthian church. And in this letter, we get the impression that he has just about had it with them. Like he's fed up with them. And you know, your mom and dad would say he's sick and tired, right? I mean, he just, he just, over it with them. And so you get this sense that the church is questioning Paul's teaching, his character, his integrity, his wisdom, his leadership as an apostle, and Paul's just kind of over it. In essence, this church is telling Paul, you know what, Paul? You know, you're not as good as you think you are. There's lots of other leaders that are way better than you, and they're doing bigger things than you, and, and, um, and you need to be more like them, and all that stuff. And, and Paul is just kind of over it. And so in this portion of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul goes on this little rant, and he's highlighting everything that he's done, everything he's been through for the sake of the kingdom, for the advancement of the gospel. And And so Paul is just kind of giving his background a little bit. And in this, what I want you to listen to um, specifically is moments of stress. Okay? I want you to listen for seasons of potential anxiety 
in Paul's life. So, so those, those seasons where, hey, this might cause a little bit of stress. So 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says this. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. Then he says this. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often. How many of you know prison is probably pretty stressful, right? I've never been, thank the Lord, but, but I would imagine that there is some anxiety that goes along with prison. Paul says, I have been whipped times without number. Now, what he's talking about here is, is there, was, there was a law there in, in Rome that, that somebody could only be whipped 39 or, or 40 times. And so what would happen is if there was like a legal beating, like that had jurisdiction and oversight that this was, this was not an illegal beating that somebody had, um, the person who was, was whipping was allowed to whip them 40 times. And so what they would call it, they would call it the 39 lashes or the, the 39 lashes or 40 minus one. Because if they ever crossed that 40 threshold, then the person doing the beating would then become subject to beating because the beating was too much. It was overboard. It was too aggressive. And so what Paul is saying is he's been whipped times without number. That means he's been beaten illegally several times. That means he's been beaten aggressively and over the top without any legal jurisdiction at all. Okay? So he's just, people have just gone overboard, over the top, no respect for their weird laws and authority, and just beaten and beaten and beaten and beaten him. He's faced that. How many of you know that would be pretty um, stressful? Yes? My dad used to spank me, and he'd hit my bottom three or four times, and it felt like, oh my goodness, have you no heart, right? But Paul is saying, man, he's been beaten over and over and over again. He faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes, which is what I just referred to a second ago. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. And so, so we read stories and, and we watch documentaries of somebody surviving, like being lost at sea, you know, for a couple days. Paul is like, hey, that's been me. How many of you know that is full of anxiety, Right? Like in a boat at sea, drifting on some wood all by yourself for a day and a night, that would be terrible. Full of stress, full of anxiety. Verse 26, he says, I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from river, rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers and are not. Paul is saying, I've made everybody mad. I've made the Jews mad. I've made the Gentiles mad. I've made the Romans mad. Everywhere I go, it seems like somebody wants to hurt me. People hate me. You know, even God promised that everywhere I go, like I'm going to experience pain. So there is a massive amount of stress in Paul's life. Verse 27, he says, I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Verse 28, then besides all of this, he says, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Paul says, as, aside from all of this physical stress, aside from all of this situational stress, all of, this, all of this pain that I'm going through, he, he says, I have a very real leadership pain that I'm enduring because I care about the people of God and I care about the churches that I've been a, a part of planting. 
And so when, when things go on in the church, my heart hurts. When there's pain in the church, there's pain in my heart. And so Paul is bearing a real leadership burden and a real leadership anxiety for all of the churches. Paul is saying, you know, sometimes church people can be really stressful. Sometimes you guys stress me out. I feel it. That's Paul saying, not me. I don't, I don't believe that one bit. So can we agree, can we agree that Paul has cornered the market on anxiety? Yes? Can we, can we admit that no matter what sort of stress and anxiety that you have experienced and you felt in your life, it doesn't compare to Paul? Yes? And look, I know how difficult it is when the triple soy latte price increases by a quarter. I know how bad that freaks you out, right? You're so brave to endure that, man. But I think that we could all admit, at least, that, that Paul has us beat in the anxiety market. Yes? Can we, can we agree on that? So when Paul talks about stress, when Paul talks about anxiety, he's, please, he's, he's speaking from a place of experience. So it's important for us to know that because uh, that sets the stage for whether or not we're going to buy what Paul is selling. As Paul is writing the book of Philippians, if you turn over to Philippians, at the time of the writing of the book in Philippians, Paul is sitting in a Roman prison. So that's where Paul is writing the book of Philippians, not in a desk, not in his study, not in his house, but in a Roman prison. There in prison, he's cold, he's wet, he's uncomfortable. He's facing a trial that he knew would most likely end in his execution. Paul, Paul was pretty certain that there was a very real possibility, and Paul knew this, that he would never walk out of this jail cell as a free man ever again. Stressful? Yes. And he says from his Roman prison in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, the second part. This is what he writes. Knowing the context of where he's at. He says, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me... Living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. Uh, a translation that you're familiar with would probably say uh, something like, Paul says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. For me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. And then he says, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really, man, I'm torn. I really don't know which one is better. So we read things like this. And we see this supernatural peace inside of Paul. We see this, this the, the lack of anxiety that should be there. As we look at Paul's life, we, we, we think he should be stressed out. He should be anxious. He should be freaking out about his situation. But he's like, you know what? Man, I don't know. If I had to choose whether or not I would be hung on a cross and executed or walk free, ah, I'm just, ah, I'm, I'm waffling. I don't know which way to go. And if somebody said that to us, if somebody was talking like that to us, we'd sit them down and we'd say, look, are you like damaged in the head? What's, what's wrong with you? What do you mean you can't decide which way to go if you had a choice? Like this, this doesn't make any sense at all. Why would this even be a debate, right? And look, I'm fully convinced that if I die, I would go to heaven. But if I had a choice between living or being nailed to a cross, 
that wouldn't be a hard choice for me at all, right? I, 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 that would be easy for me to decide on that one. But Paul is literally saying, if I had to choose between being set free or nailed to the cross, I'm kind of torn. I mean, if I'm set free, I can still do good work for the kingdom of God and the kingdom would be advanced and people would come to know Christ. But if I die, I get to be with Jesus. So this is kind of hard. Let me think about it for a second. Paul's level of chill is at like 100. You know what I mean? I mean, Paul is just so cool. There's, there's so much peace because I believe that Paul has fully understood and fully applied something about the word of God that we haven't. Paul not only knows the answer, listen, Paul not only knows the answer, he has worked through and applied the solution to his life. And it produces peace in him that verges on insanity. It produces a peace in him that as we look at, we think that makes no sense at all. I can't explain it. It's beyond anything that I can fathom or understand. Paul's attitude is, if I live, it's a win. If I die, it's a win. Paul's attitude is if I go to Rome as a prisoner, it's a win. If I go to Rome as a preacher, it's a win. Paul's attitude is if I'm healed, it's a win. All glory to God. If I'm not healed, then it's a win. And all glory to God because he makes me strong in my weakness. Paul says, if people begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because they are inspired by me, it's a win. And then he says, if people begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because they want to spite me or they want to get at me, it's a win because the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached. Paul says, in this life, it's a win. It's a win. It's a win. It's a win. Paul knows that when you are in Christ and giving your life to the advancement of the kingdom of God, it's always a win. Always. Because God is in control. And so he knows it's a win. 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 Whether he lives or dies, it's a win. I don't care. It's a win. And he shares the secret to this in Philippians chapter 4. You can turn over there. Philippians chapter 4. And remember, he's not crazy, although he kind of sounds like it. He's worked through something. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. In, in the NASB version, it says it like this. Be anxious for nothing. You read it again. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. We've already established that Paul is an expert on stress and anxiety. And here's the answer that he says. He says, be anxious for Nothing. I did a little bit of a word study. I checked out the Greek in this. Studied the Greek. The Greek word for nothing is medemia. You know what it means? Nothing. <laughs> right? It's more than you can handle. I know. I know. Just be anxious for nothing. You say, well, pastor, what about my health? You don't know what I'm going through. I've had a bad diagnosis. I mean, this is serious, life and death stuff. Paul says, look, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. What about my kids? It's my God-given right and duty as a parent to worry about my kids. It's my obligation, Paul says, be anxious for nothing. What about their education and, and whether or not they're developing right and they have the right amount of friends? God says, or Paul says, nothing. Scripture says, be anxious for nothing. What about their hygiene? I can't, my, I can't get my junior higher to shower. I, that, makes, that gives me anxiety. Paul says, even that... 
Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. What about the stock market? I'm not invested in the stock market. If it crashes, I could lose everything. Paul says nothing. Nothing. You know what nothing means? Nothing. Be anxious for nothing. What about Russia? Can I be anxious about Russia? Paul says, no, absolutely not. I mean, I know, what's his name, Putin, Putin? How, am I saying that right? Vlad, let's just call him Vlad. So I know he's like a strong guy, but God is stronger, yes? Be anxious for nothing, Scripture says. What about my job? No, not your job. What about my in-laws? You don't know my in-laws. Paul says, nothing. That includes your in-laws. What about retirement? I mean, man, retirement is coming, and, and, and I'm living on less income, and I'm trying to make ends meet, and all this stuff that's going on in the government. I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know how I'm going to survive and all that stuff. Paul says, nope, not even that. Nothing. Be anxious for nothing. What about ISIS? What about the wicked people and the enemies of Almighty God coming through and, and waging a, a, a holy war? Paul says, nope, nope, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I know as you're sitting here, you, something's going through your mind right now, and you're thinking, yeah, but Pastor Chris, you don't know about what I'm going through. What about, and, and then you're filling in the blank because you're going through some stuff, right? Because you're facing some stuff, because you have some major pain, some major anxiety, some major brokenness in your life, and you think, what about this? Even that thing that you're thinking about that you think trumps the word of God, Paul says, Nothing. Even that thing that you're facing, even that diagnosis, even that potential like train wreck that you are experiencing right now, Paul says, nope, not even that. Be anxious for nothing. The New Living Translation, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Listen, anxiety is not a spiritual gift. Anxiety is not a spiritual gift. Turn to the person sitting next to you and say, anxiety is not a spiritual gift. Anxiety is not a spiritual gift. We like to think it is. We like to talk like it is. We like to pretend it is. We like to say, you know what, I just care so much, I can't help but worry about it. I just care so much. My heart is so big, I just can't help but worry about it. When it would be more accurate if we would say, I trust God so little, I can't help but worry about it. Listen, for me, I'm a naturally anxious person. I'm a naturally anxious person. So this message this morning that I'm sharing is not out of strength, it's out of weakness. I'm a pacer, man. I pace. Does anybody else pace? Like I have this place in my house, in, in, in the kitchen, where I just pace back and forth. And when I go through seasons of stress, I pace. When I'm on the phone, I pace. When I'm talking to Melissa, I pace. When she goes and sits out in the, in the living room, I'm still in there pacing. And, and we have tiles on the floor. And when you pace, you can't step on any of the cracks. You have to be right in the middle of the cracks because as you're walking, it kind of gives you a rhythm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Any other weirdos in the house? Okay. And uh, as I'm pacing, I have to put the inside of my foot right there even with the other crack on the other tile. And it has to be like that because somehow that's going to fix all of my worries and all of my anxiety as I pace. I'm an anxious person. I know that. I, I get that. But, but as, as I look at the word and as I do my best to apply the word of God to my life, I, I, I ask myself, why do I waste so much of my time worrying about silly things? 
Why do we waste so much of our time worrying about things that are happening, happening around us, happening to us? Why do we worry so much about the things that are happening outside of our control? Why do we worry about the things that, that the Bible so clearly says not to? And we like to think that, that when Paul says be anxious about nothing, we're like, yeah, I know. I'm not supposed to worry about the little things and those things that are outside of my control. But there are some big things in my life that God is okay with me to be anxious about. Paul says, nope, nothing. Don't worry about anything. I need to relax. You need to relax. Don't worry about anything. Sometimes Melissa is stressed out about things. She's freaking out, you know. So I'll approach her with all my biblical wisdom, right? Say, honey, sweetheart, just don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. And she gives me this look that says, if you talk to me again, I'm going to punch you in your throat. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know what I'm talking about? Because this is terrible advice when you're stressed. If you're stressed, some jerk comes up to you and say, hey, don't stress out about it. Just let it go. There are times as a pastor when I'm going through seasons of high stress, sleepless nights, anxiety. Some of our leaders, some of our staff, my grandpa, Pastor Mel and all of his wisdom, right? He'll come and he'll say, Pastor, don't worry about it. Don't stress out about it. And I want to say, brilliant. Thank you. I've never thought about that. Don't stress. Wow, right? I mean, come on, when somebody says, when you're stressed, don't stress out about it, you're like, thank you. That never even crossed my mind. You're a genius, wow. Look, all better. You want to go get lunch? I mean, it was so easy, man. Because we all know that that advice, don't worry about it, don't stress about it, is terrible advice, right? You see in this, Paul doesn't just give us the answer because don't worry about it is the answer. He also provides a formula to make this possible. Listen. He doesn't just give us the answer. He shows us how to work out the solution. Because not stressing about it isn't possible unless we're given the solution. This is what he says. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, he doesn't say, don't worry about anything. Just forget it. Just let it go. Just, just ignore it. He doesn't say that. He says, he says, when you have all of this emotional and spiritual and physical energy and anxiety, you have to do something with it. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Another word study in the Greek, that word everything. You know what that means? Everything. He says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. You will experience God's peace in a way that, like Paul, you look crazy. I want to have so much peace that people look at me and think, you're insane. Because... All stress, all worry, all doubt, all anxiety has just completely been taken from me because I trust in God and I believe in God and I know that he's in control. Good or bad, whatever happens to me, I know God's got it. And so in this, he gives us two secret bullets to combat, to combat anxiety in our lives. And i got to get through this quick. The first one is prayer. Worry and stress creates emotional and physical and spiritual energy what are we supposed to do with it? I have to put it somewhere. Paul says, take that 
physical, emotional, and spiritual energy and turn it into prayer. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Talk to God about it. And so many times we overcomplicate prayer. We make prayer so difficult. Some of you are thinking, well, I don't even know how to pray. I've tried and it doesn't work. Listen, praying is so easy. Do you know where the holes are in your life? Do you know where the issues are in your life? Yes or no? Yes? Tell God about them, right? Do you, are you able to accurately articulate the situation that you're going through and the pain that you feel in your life? Yes? Tell God about it. Articulate it to God. There are times in your life where you need to just find somebody to cry to. You got a friend, you got a family member, you just gotta get together with them and vent, and you gotta cry to them, and you pour your heart out, and you cry with them, and they pat you on the back because they can't do anything. And so they offer you this amazing advice when they say, listen, don't stress out about it, right? Why not cry to the one that says, listen, don't stress out about it because I am in control and I got your back in this. Why not go to him? Why not cry to the one who can do something about it? Spend that energy crying to God because he can do something about it. Do you know how to vent? Vent to God. Pray about everything. Just the other day I read a quote. It's a new take on, on an old quote and it said this, prayer has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and seldom tried. I know this feels like an easy Sunday school answer. You've heard it before, but listen, have you tried it? Have you applied it? Like really, have you really applied it? Prayer shouldn't be that hard, but the reason it is so difficult is because worry and anxiety are our native language. Nobody has to teach us how to worry. That comes natural. Nobody has to teach us how to live in anxiety. We got that covered on our own. And anxiety exposes the unbelief inside of us that screams, God isn't big enough. Anxiety exposes the unbelief inside of us that screams, God isn't able. Anxiety inside of us exposes this unbelief that screams, I don't believe God is able. Paul says, don't worry about it. Be anxious for nothing. Pray. Instead of worrying, pray. The second bullet is this, thanks. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Thank him and 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 thank him for what he's done. Anxiety and thankfulness are like oil and water. They don't mix. Listen, it's hard to be anxious and thankful at the same time. And, and I would submit that it's impossible to be anxious and thanking God for what he's done for us at the same time. Before you spend any emotional energy on worry, spend time thanking God for all that he has done. For all that he's done. Stand your feet across his place. If you need help, <clears throat> reasons to thank him. Thank him for giving you life. Amen? Thank him for knitting you together in your mother's womb. Thank you, thank him for commanding the sun to rise again, right? Thank him. Thank him for revealing himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Thank him for stepping outside of the glory of heaven to live for 33 years on the mess of earth. Thank him for allowing himself to be crucified on a cross by his creation. Thank him for calling you out of darkness into glorious light. Thank him for replacing your filth 
with his perfection. Thank him for the promises of his soon return. Thank him for the gift, the anointing, the power, and the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. Thank him that his promises are faithful and true. Thank him. We have a lot to be thankful for, amen? Thank him. Thank him. Thank him for your children. Thank him for your spouse. Thank him for your job. Thank him for your church. Thank him for your country. And go on and on and on and on and on. Listen, I know you have a lot to worry about. I know there's a lot of stress in your life, but I bet if you started being thoughtful in your thanks and your gratitude, you would realize that you have a whole lot more to be thankful for than you have to stress out about. And if you do these two things, Paul says, you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything that we can understand. It's a strange peace. It's a supernatural peace. It's a peace that is beyond human reason. It's a peace that people will come to you and say, you know what, I see everything you're going through and I see the calm, I see the peace in your life. What are you doing? Are you on something? I mean, because this is weird. No, man, I'm not. I just know who God is. I've fully committed my life to him and I know he's in complete control so whether there's pain, it's a win whether there's victory, it's a win whether I succeed, it's a win whether I fail, it's a win because he's completely in control it's a peace that exceeds human understanding bow your heads, close your eyes all across this place let this year be a year that we learn to relax not in a kick your feet up kind of vacation kind of way, but in a supernatural, God, I know who you are and I have absolutely nothing to worry about because you are big, you are awesome, and you are for me.